If you have your Bible today, we're in Judges 6, verse 12, and we're going to be going over some other verses as well, so you might want to leave your Bible open to that text. I want to talk with you today about being a leader. If I were to ask how many leaders are here today, I know that many of you would raise your hand, and that's wonderful. Maybe there are some of you that have all kinds of ability, but you're not yet a leader. And so I want to talk with you about uh, this topic. It's important to our, our country, our world today. The angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. That's the angel speaking to Gideon. A small boy was holding a leash. On the other end of the leash was a great, huge, big St. Bernard. And the little boy was having a time trying to just hold on. Uh, the dog was so big and so strong, it was just kind of pulling him around. A man was watching all this, and he said, uh, Son, are you trying to take your dog on a little walk? And the boy said, he was panting, he said, Well, I will as soon as I find out where he wants to go. <laughs> That's kind of the picture of our world today. You know, there are so many pressures in the world that are upon us. We have all the tax issues and all the homeowner issues and all the stuff from work and stuff from relatives and illnesses and financial troubles. And I mean, we just have all kinds of pressures of life that are on us today. They have little control over where they're going. People that feel these daily pressures. They are not leaders. They are followers. They need more leaders at your office. If you're working, you're in an office. Uh, obviously, they need some more leaders. In your neighborhood, you know, they have those groups that kind of call the shots for everybody else. They might need some more good leaders uh, there. Uh, or the club that you're in or the team that you play on. More leaders are always needed. We need more leaders in ministry at the church as well. We have openings for leadership people in many different areas. People that will say, I want to make a difference for the Lord in what I'm about. I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I want to help them to move closer to the Lord Jesus. Leaders are the ones who make things happen rather than watching from the sideline and then saying, what happened? Uh, what does it take to be a real leader? Do you have to be persuasive to be a leader? Do you have to be beautiful? Do you have to have great courage? What is it that are the components of being a great leader? Some people think you can only describe a leader in terms of what they accomplish. If they don't accomplish anything, they're not a leader. If you can produce results better than anybody else, then you're the leader. And everybody knows that. After Joshua died in the Bible, there were some people who took leadership positions. 
And over the years, we've come to call them the judges. Now, that title judge is misleading because the primary role of these leaders had nothing to do with judicial things. It had everything to do with military things. The judges were not elected. They did not become leaders because they had royal blood floating through their veins. They emerged as leaders because of the power of their personality. They were all very productive. They had what we call today charisma. You know, if you have a lot of charisma, uh, then maybe uh, you can be a leader. The best known of these leaders was Samson. Samson was the strongest guy that's ever lived. Everybody knows about Samson. He stood between two pillars and literally, just himself, literally pushed out those pillars and brought a huge, huge pagan temple down. And the rocks from the ceiling and the walls and the pillars, all the rocks fell on all those people and killed uh, a whole bunch of folks uh, that were in there. Well, God gave him that strength. There was no question about that. You couldn't do it if you didn't have strength from God. Another one of the great judges was Gideon, and that's who we're going to talk about today. He was a great leader for Israel. If Israel needed something, they called on Gideon. Gideon was sharp. He was right on tack as far as it was about issues that related to Israel. He had some strong characteristics in his life that would make you uh, be a, a better leader, a good leader, in whatever arena of life that you find yourself. The first characteristic of Gideon's leadership was in his inner compulsion. In verse 11, we see Gideon at work threshing wheat. He's out there working in the field. There was great difficulty with the Midianites, the neighboring uh, folks. And in the middle of the crisis, Gideon said uh, that he was willing to act. He had this inner compulsion. He said, something needs to be done. I'm ready to do my part. I'm willing to serve. He took the initiative. That sounds like a leader, doesn't it, when you do those things? The Israelites had to have food, so Gideon says, I'll help. I'll serve. He did. He got out in front of the crowd and started doing the things that would cause uh, food to be available to the people. He didn't wait on a big crowd of people to follow him. He, He just went by himself. He just moved ahead. He was a leader. Gideon took the initiative on his own shoulders. His compulsion was not from the outside. His compulsion came from an inner character. Years ago, uh, Bud Wilkinson, the great uh, football coach at Oklahoma, he was there for years and years, did a great job. He delivered a series of lectures about physical fitness all over the country. The president back then wanted him to do this. He was well-known all over, and so the president picked him to go out and do it. He was supporting the president's physical fitness program uh, 
to all kinds of groups all over America. Uh, A reporter asked Coach Wilkerson, is modern football helping physical fitness? Immediately, Coach Wilkerson said no. Well, the reporter was real shocked at that answer. He thought, well, you know, football is a lot of exercise. And he couldn't understand Coach Wilkerson's uh, answer. And so he raised his hand and said, uh, Coach, would you please explain why no was your answer? Coach Wilkinson replied, I see on the modern football field 22 guys running around that are so tired they can hardly lift their arm. And in the stands, there are 50,000 people sitting real still. He said, it's just not uh, working. They desperately need the exercise, and they're not getting any. In our church, like every church, we have some folks that are very busy about helping the church move forward. We have people that do all kinds of things here. I could go through the long list, but you, you know who's doing what. So uh, we're real thankful for them. A larger percentage of people come to the services and then they leave. And that's basically all that they uh, do at the church. They're here and then they're gone. Uh, I hope and pray today that this sermon, this message, will help you to have an internal uh, force or compulsion to get out of the grandstands and to get into the game. Our nominating committee every year is looking for people to help. We always need people to help, to do this, to do that, to do the other. Each year, there are a lot of openings for you to serve. And, of course, we need you to serve because this church works on volunteerism. We need a helping committee. Let me just call it that. You say, well, what is a helping committee? Wherever there is something needed, there need to be some leaders that reach out and say, hey, I'll help with that. I want to be a part of that. I want to see that work. People that will put out the good news verbally about Trinity Baptist Church, about the various ministries that we have. I was so proud of our a choir and our drama people the other night at Freedom Plaza, they did a great job. And you know when we have the big screen and all the stuff, uh, it's even better here. So you sure want to invite all of your friends to come and, and be a part of those two services that are upcoming. Well, various ways that we can help move the Lord's work forward is really... What every church needs. What's, it's what we need. We want to have a full activities program. A number of years ago, I talked about this. Didn't have much results. Uh, but I talked about it. And I tried to kind of put it out there in front of everybody. This morning, as the lady was leaving from the first service, she said, You know, I believe I could teach an art class. She said, I've taught all over the country. I believe maybe I could do that. I said, great, great. 
That would be super. Do we need to have a bowling league? Uh, in the first service, I asked, and I think it was nine people. Was it nine people? Nine people, I think, raised their hand and said they were bowlers, and they enjoyed it. Well, you know, in bowling, you have four on a team, and, uh, you know, this team is a team of Christians, and the ones next to them are cussing and yelling and uh, saying all kinds of terrible things when they don't get a strike. And here's the Christians, when they get a strike, praise God! <laughs> you know, it's kind of a kind of a little witness to give there. And then after a while, you know, if you bowl beside those people every week, you get to know them a little bit. And they, of course, ask, well, where are you all from? We're from Trinity Baptist Church. You know, we're kind of giving a little witness there. And maybe, you know, you go sit down and have a hamburger or a hot dog with them, get to know them a little bit. You reach out. You reach out to those folks. Maybe we could have a tennis ladder. How many of you here in this service play tennis? How many of you play tennis? Got one. Anybody else? Two. There's a two. There's three. Hey, we're going now. We, we had more than that the first service. We, I think we had seven or eight in the early, early service. I don't remember exactly. But we had a bunch of folks. Well, why don't we get up a tennis ladder? You know, the best person's on top, and, and then the ones that are pretty good are here, and the ones that are so-so are here, and the ones that are terrible are here. And uh, we have a tennis lap. And then what we do, of course, we start this with our church people. And then we invite our neighbors and people that we know that, that play tennis. We challenge them, you know, why don't you get on our tennis ladder and see if you can get up to the top. And, uh, of course, you know, some people are always looking for something else to do. So some of them will do it. They'll get to playing. Well, of course, when they're playing with you, when you miss that overhand slam, you don't uh, uh, cuss. You know, if, if you miss it, you're not yelling and screaming curse words. Uh, and when you make one, you you know, thank God, you know, you're trying to uh, say the right thing, do the right thing. And we have a ministry. We reach out to people. Tennis ladder. That would be great. Uh, what about a golf group? How many of you play golf in here? Surely more than one. Come on. Okay, there's a bunch of golf hands. Why don't we get together a group and uh, start having people go and and play? Maybe we could have kind of a, a tournament or something at one of these courses and kind of get that going and become friends with some people that aren't going to church, don't know anything about God, uh, don't know much about golf. Uh, but, you know, maybe we can reach them in that way. We need a leader to head up that group, to get that going. We could really reach outside of the walls of this church if we did some of these things. What about a biking group, a hiking group? My wife walks about three or four miles a day. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people here that do that. What if you did it together? with some people that you know that aren't going to church anywhere, that don't know the Lord as their Savior. We are waiting on you to do some of those things, to lead out in some of those things. Not just We're not just trying to be the YMCA. We're trying to do this uh, for a ministry. 
to reach out and touch the lives of other folks. Do we need a drama ministry? Susan helps, uh, of course, at our church, and she's been involved in that all along. Maybe some of you would like to be involved in that. You know, you can really communicate the gospel very, very well uh, through some drama presentations. Who will be the leader that will step forward to do that? We need some painters every once in a while to paint stuff. Um, a number of years ago, I don't know how many years ago it was, but a bunch of us got together and we painted the whole church. And it, I, I know that it saved the church a lot of money. Uh, we painted the whole thing. All the way around. And I felt so good about it when we finished. I thought, well, you know, that was neat. We got to visit with a lot of our friends. We got something done for the church that didn't cost hardly anything. It was a great thing. Well, some folks have an inner compulsion to keep the house of God beautiful and everything in here working. Our trustees are so faithful at that point. Uh, we need to regularly thank them for what they're doing. The second characteristic of Gideon's leadership was his commitment. Inner compulsion, commitment. While Gideon was busy at threshing wheat, God called him to do something. Well, Gideon initially thought, I can't do that for crying out loud. That's not my thing. I, you know, that's not something I could fit into. You know, maybe something else, but not that. In verse 15, he lists his inabilities. Gideon said, I'm a member of the tribe of Manasseh. That's the lowest and weakest tribe there is. That's the tribe that I'm in. My family is the weakest family in the tribe of Manasseh. And I am the weakest person in my family. So therefore, I'm the weakest, lowest person in this whole Israeli uh, bunch of people. I'm on the bottom. Well, in verse 16, God said to Gideon, I will be with you. Those were the key words. I will be with you. Well, with that assurance... Gideon committed his life to do God's cause. Commitment means to channel your energy, your efforts, your excitement, and whatever it is that God is calling you to do and to lead. Maybe that's God's purpose for your life, that you would become a leader in doing that. If we channel our compulsion, our commitment, to be a leader for the Lord, we can have a tremendous result to ministry. You can do that at your office, in your neighborhood, to your club, to your team, to whatever it is. School is going on all over America. Let me challenge you with something. I know you're, some of you are thinking, that's nuts, I'm not going to do that. Let me, uh, let me challenge you. As many as you as have grandchildren, why don't you, as a grandparent, why don't you give them a little tutorial about how to witness to people at your school and how to give the plan of salvation and how to really stand up for Christ 
in the school setting. You know, if uh, you could get your grandchildren thinking about that, because of you, perhaps they would become a leader for Christianity on their school's campus. Not to have the fastest cars or the prettiest clothes, but to be sort of a missionary to their school. Think what could happen if every member of our church had a business in Sun City and we all decided to be a leader for Christ through our business. Well, my guess is that there's not many of us that own a business in Sun City, but all of us go to a business in Sun City. I've been going to the same barber for a number of years, once a month or once every six weeks or once every eight weeks <laughs> something. Feast is missed a few weeks, too. Uh, <laughs> he looks real good, though. <laughs> you know, we uh, we miss... A, well, every time I go in there, I talk to my barber. I talk to him, you know, about how you doing. He goes to a church uh, way east of us. We talk about it. Well, while we're talking about it, the guy in the next chair and the barber behind the next chair, they're hearing what we say. We're talking about Jesus. That doesn't happen accidentally. It happens through a purpose. A bunch of us guys eat up on the hill over there. Uh, every Thursday, a group of us go over there and eat. And we try, uh, we don't get the hammer out and beat them in the head, but we try and be a witness to our uh, waitresses, to our waiters. We try and, you know, we have a blessing, and I'm sure they see that, and we try and give them good tips, and I'm sure they notice that. We try and and reach out to them. One of them got real sick, and we uh, tried to get a hold of her and, and communicate with her. You know, things like that really make a difference. You know, if you can touch somebody's life at work and and reach out to them and have a design and a prayer in your heart for your witness to that particular person. The third characteristic of Gideon's leadership was raw courage. He had raw courage. Notice that his commitment to God preceded his commission from God. Gideon did not say, well, Lord, you tell me what you want me to do, and I'll think about it for a few days, and I'll get back with you. That isn't what happened. That is not what happened. Instead, Gideon said, Lord, I am available to you. Wherever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'll do it. You you just stay with me. And I'll do it. His commitment preceded his commission. And that's the way it is with us. We have to be available. We have to let God speak to us and use us before we can really reach out in the right way. Verses 25 and 26, God told Gideon what to do. He said, tear down all the altars to Baal. Well, there were a lot of them because that whole country was full of Baal worshipers, and these idols were everywhere. Well, in verse 27, it says that Gideon was afraid. He was scared. Well, anybody would be scared. 
You know, that was the official religion. Gideon could be killed for knocking down any of those idols. But because Gideon was courageous, he carried out God's commission. He knocked them down. Because Gideon was afraid, he, he did it at night, which was smart. And people, I guess, didn't see him. He knocked them down. Courage means acting not in the absence of fear, but in the midst of fear. Gideon was afraid, but he was not paralyzed by his fear. He overcame his fear and carried the command that God wanted him to do. He carried it out. Now, that's real courage. If we have a strong enough commitment to God, it can be the source of our courage. Strong commitment, source of our courage. We can be leaders at our office, our neighborhood, wherever it might be. You can accomplish unbelievable things that take strong courage. Real leaders accomplish things that last Not just something that's that way for that day or that week, but something that will last and make a difference, really, as you reach into other people's lives, make a difference for eternity. Hope you have not always been afraid of getting up and saying something. You know, some people don't want to get up. They don't want to say anything in front of more than two people. Well, you know, maybe uh, if you have that fear, you can overcome it. You can beat that that phobia. Have you always been afraid uh, to quit your job and to go do something that you really want to do? Well, you can overcome that fear. Have you ever been afraid to ask out that certain guy or gal that you wanted to go out with? You can overcome that fear. Perhaps that's the person God wants you to marry. Don't be afraid to take some new job serving the Lord here at the church. Because through that, as you take that responsibility, uh, God can make you into a great leader. I am so proud of our new deacons. We've been working on that. And we have ten that have said that uh, they would serve these coming three years. Two of those are folks that have been deacons here before. And the other eight would be new to that responsibility. That's a big job to be a deacon in our church. I was so proud that these guys stepped forward. They're ready to serve the Lord, to be a leader for him. And uh, that's just uh, terrific. We're going to ordain a number of them. It's really going to be a special thing. Well, fourth, the last characteristic of Gideon's leadership was conquest. First was compulsion. He was willing to do anything that God wanted him to do. Secondly, he channeled his compulsion into commitment. Thirdly, because of that commitment to God, he was able to act in the midst of fear with great courage. In chapter 7, we see that Gideon's compulsion and commitment and courage led to conquest. To conquest. Chapter 7 tells us the exciting story about the conquest of Midian by Gideon and his army of 300 people. As Gideon put himself in the center of God's will, he was led to success. He was led to lead the charge, to be the leader. Valor led to victory. Commitment led to conquest. So many people in America today are encouraged to mediocrity. 
the Lord doesn't want us to be mediocre. We need to remind ourselves in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says that God will give the victory through his son, the Lord Jesus. When you move out in faith for God, you commit yourself to him. When you, with courage, take a stand for the Lord, you can win the victory. The opinion polls uh, people put out, they don't know what they're doing. You know, you've noticed that. Some, most of the opinions are wrong. But there is one opinion that's right. And that's what the Lord thinks. That's what the Lord thinks is going to happen. And that, of course, is what we want to help happen. His will in our lives, in our arena of life. Judges 7-2, God said to Gideon, You have too many soldiers. If you win with that army, the people will become boastful and they'll say, We did it. You need to pare down your army. So Gideon reduced his forces from 32,000 to 300. 300. When the 300 won the battle, they knew that they didn't win it. They knew that God won it through them. They knew that. What does it mean? The ultimate conquest of life are not because of our performance. They're not because of the performance of some other person. It is because of the power of God. The power of God. Wouldn't you like to be a real leader today? Commit yourself to the Lord. Let his power flow through you. Today we want to have a time of invitation. We do this at every service. We invite people to trust in Christ to make him the savior of your heart and soul. We invite people to come and join our church. This young lady joined the first service today. We want you to join if you've been visiting with us. What in the world are you holding off for? Uh, Come and join with us and serve with us and be on the battle line for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be standing down here at the front. If the Lord leads you, you just slip out. Come, take a stand for Jesus today. Let's stand and sing together.